Welcome to you Thursday, June 8th here on the Damon Bruce Show on Damon Bruce Plus. It's good to have you here on Damon Bruce Plus, and we have a special guest today that we want to get to right away. So let me just begin by welcoming everyone here. Great to have you back again. If you're an A's fan, if you are a baseball fan, if you are a resident of the state of Nevada about to have your pockets picked by John Fisher, maybe, maybe not, this is maybe a show that you're going to want to pay attention to today. And as always, we invite you to pay attention and pay some business to my sponsors. First of all, we got the cardboard cutout. We hardly need the graphic, but my man Ike is ready to get you a delicious sandwich today. There is no doubt about that. Whatever your taste in sandwiches may be, believe me, he's got one for you. Uh, if you got a taste for whiskey, pick yourself up a bottle of Blackened. It is wonderful to have them on board. And our newest sponsor is is Uncle Boy's serving up delicious burgers in the inner Richmond, a San Francisco original, if there ever was one, owned by real sons and daughters of San Francisco. So a great local business, and hopefully you give them your business as well. We need to get to business today with a man who is a journalist with a capital J. Ben Ross is probably someone you're already following. I hope you do, and if you don't, you should. He is at Ben Ross Tweets. That's where you can find him on Twitter. Uh, he is a barrier sports journalist. He covered the A's over at NBC Sports for a while. Now he does uh, some work for the AP. He's a freelance guy he's a one-man army kind of like us over here now and it is great to have you on ben thank you so very much for joining us today oh so good to be here Damon. thank you thank you for having me appreciate it it's great to have you and look let's just jump right in here and and i kind of want to approach this with you know it's a situation that i've clearly prejudged right i mean we, we've been sitting on top of john fisher dave cavill what they have and have not done in oakland for years it's hard to come in this with just, you know, no no judgments. But last night's special session in Nevada was to me a masterclass in underwhelming presentations by people that we've been accused of being empty suits for a very long time. And in a weird way, we got pulled, you know, the curtain gets pulled back and we get to see just a level of of, of poor presentation and even the most project positive person i think would have to have watched what we watched take place in nevada last night and walk away saying that this a's team has cobbled together a pitch that is as poor as the team that they've cobbled together on the field i think that's a really good way to put it and i mean i i think you and i damon and people here in the bay area as you said, we already kind of knew uh, what you get with guys like john fisher and dave cavill i think in some weird way, it was sort of like a cathartic for A's fans to allow the rest of the world to see. I mean, the way that Dave Cavill, you know, the, the very first question he's asked about, like, will you be willing to pay that live entertainment tax? And he couldn't give a straight answer, just completely called out, you know, and, and sort of embarrassed and fumbling. Uh, I think your description is really good, just unprepared. And, you know, the whole thing, it's been embarrassing to watch. I don't know. It's got to be embarrassing to be associated with that franchise right now. It's just sad because the A's are such a proud franchise. And to see what they've become, it's rough. As relevant as the point is that one of the state assembly women, assembly men, assembly persons said, um, you know, we didn't have money to fund summer school programs. How do we have money for this? And as relevant as that question seems, to me, it, it's 
you know, there are now more reasons than just a level of tax dollar moral ambiguity going on here. Like what what it seemed to be most illuminated last night was that the A's are stepping into an unprepared situation with fuzzy math and basically trying to say that every single study that's ever been done on a college campus about the you know the the local boon to an economy that a new stadium offers isn't something that the A's really can even offer like their new stadium economy has already been booned by other new stadia and for the A's and this is you know there's so many elements of this that seem funny but I always thought one of the biggest problems for the A's is that you know they were like the third or fourth most important team basically through their own mismanagement here in the Bay Area. They are going to land in a city where they're instantly going to be the third or fourth most important team. I mean, if, if they really do get this done, um, it, it, it felt like there were few people who were ready to just take the A's on face value. So why is there, why wasn't a conclusion reached last night, Ben? I thought we would be talking about actual results today here, yeah, but they're going to yeah. sit down again this afternoon to keep a conversation, which it doesn't feel like anyone's got any new talking points to put on the table. I mean, it, it, we, we know what the deal is. It's being called a grift by just about everyone who's looking at it. Uh, where is the there there in Nevada wanting this? Well, you know what's incredible is like the people of Nevada are seeing through this. Like if you look at the public reaction and like responses to this thing, it's all it's overwhelming. Ninety-three percent. Ninety-three percent of people pulled. I mean, that's unbelievable. And again, like I think if you're an A's fan in the area, at least you can take some not comfort, but just it's gotta feel good to at least see that you know, you're not taking crazy pills here. Like other people are seeing this for what it is as well. It's a grift. It, it feels like, I mean, I think the reason to answer your first question, why this is still going today is because it's obvious the A's are just kind of throwing this all together at the last minute. I mean, what if they had their first ballpark site in Vegas, like 10 days before they switched it, you know, they don't really have any actual details in the proposal, they're just asking for this money. It, it's pretty obvious that they, this is not thought through at all. It's just kind of strung together. And, you know, they're hoping that they can somehow get the votes anyway. And the crazy thing is they still might. Although I think yesterday was at least encouraging that you see a lot of opposition from some of that Nevada Senate and for good reason. Look, we live in a world where it's, you know, Republicans versus Democrats uh, on a national level, on a local level. But it would really seem like this would be one sort of bipartisan, easy to agree on decision because everyone's looking at this and just saying they're not ready to even do this. And what's amazing to me is they're fighting over a dollar amount that if John Fisher had to pick up that tab, why wouldn't he just go ahead and pick up that tab if this is such a great opportunity awaiting him? It seems like even the A's are skeptical about the A's working anywhere. And as a matter of fact, John Shea brought up something I thought was pretty clever when he basically said Fisher's hired hand, Jeremy Aguero, reiterates that the A's with a move would like to reach the 50th percentile 
in major league attendance. And as John points out, name one single team that has ever made it a goal to build a shiny new stadium to have average attendance. Yeah. Well, and you know what's crazy about that? That's a great point, number one. But number two, the point that, you know, was being made yesterday is even trying to be in the 50th percentile of that small of a stadium is going to be difficult. You know, this stadium that they're proposing is 30,000 people by far the smallest in baseball. I think to get to the 50th percentile, they need to average around 27,000 fans per game. And and as people have pointed out, I think it was Brody Brazil on Twitter who I saw, like, there are going to be games in any market where you've got 16, 17, 18,000. How, how do you make up for that to average 27,000 when your capacity is 30,000? The math just doesn't add up even to get to an average attendance. And again, that like the whole thing, every detail that you look at, it just becomes more and more clear that this is sort of a last ditch, poorly thought through effort with without any of the planning uh, that's necessary. And boy, I, I'm glad that most people see it, but it would be incredible if, if it got past anyone. Anyone who wanted to say that Oakland was the problem. And look, Oakland does come with its own fair share of problems. It's not the most well-run city in America. We all know that. But to try to hang this on current mayor, former mayors, two mayors ago, we're we're seeing what's coming to light in these public hearings now is that Dave Cavill really is, I mean, I, I, he is such an empty suit. And John Fisher is just unpresent, unaccountable, unaccounted for in this entire process. I don't even have to ask you, Ben, whether or not you've ever interviewed John Fisher. I know the answer. I know I mean, you know. The guy, if you didn't know that he existed on some level, there, there's very little proof that the man does exist. It is insane that he wasn't there yesterday. He's nowhere. You know, in the public comment, you had you had that guy calling and seeing where in the world is John Fisher? It's going to of Carmen San Diego. Where is he though? And I mean, you're you're completely right. Like, it's insane, as you said. If you're an Asian, you kind of know that this is how he operates. But but it shouldn't be. You shouldn't be able to do it. And to your point with Oakland. Sure, they've got their share of blame in, in, like you said, they're not a perfectly run city, but they've worked with the team. Like, to their credit, they came a long way with that hallowed terminal proposal. They got, they're close. That's what's so frustrating and outrageous about this whole thing. They, they're getting more, I think the A's would get more public funding from that Oakland deal. In this Las Vegas one, I think they're within about $80 million to talk about a small amount for a billionaire in a huge deal like this. So that's what's most frustrating about all of this. It's not like Oakland is saying, we're not going to work with you at all. They came a long way. They they kind of went along with a lot of the A's demands. And to just back out last second and make negotiations, throw this thing together. I mean, the whole thing just stinks. And, and I think anybody... With a couple of eyes can see it. I actually think that, and this is just my theory, that the A's sort of intentionally wanted the Howard Terminal project to be such an undoable poison pill that the closer it got to actually looking like it could happen, 
is what made the A's just rapidly back away from the negotiating table, blaming the other side when the other side was being accommodating. I mean, I, I really don't feel, and last night I believe was a masterclass in what bad faith negotiations really look like. If they were that unprepared and that out of order in the new place that they were desperate to do business with, how must you know, thumb up their own asses must they have been every single time they sat down to negotiate with Oakland, a place that they didn't really want to be uh, in the first place. Uh, it's it's just kind of amazing. Can you imagine what it must be to try and negotiate with these people? It must just be the most frustrating thing in the world. And and you're right. Look, I think I think there's a lot of proof that the, that they've been negotiating in bad faith. The, the fact that like all of their demands for what they wanted in a stadium. They're willing to just kind of throw out the window now for their location in Las Vegas. Now that now all of a sudden they don't care about the water. Right, they don't need they a don't glass care. city. They don't need a glass city no, around uh, the stadium. It's fine if they open in 2028 now, which was untenable, they said in Oakland. Like, they're, they're fine. Whatever it needs to happen. I mean, there's just so much with this current spot in Vegas that even makes you think, you're willing to do this. There's no reason that you can't rebuild at the current Coliseum site. Like, all of the stuff that they said that they wanted, they're just throwing out the window all of a sudden. Uh, ben, on a night full of holy shit moments, to me, one of the biggest ones was when Stephen Hill, who's lobbying for this deal, said the local government will be held responsible for any building updates. Now, just to sort of put into layman's terms, what the A's are saying is we want you to help us build this stadium and then it is up to you to maintain this stadium. And if you just look at how comfortable John Fisher is with stadium maintenance and the concepts of such a thing over in Oakland, I mean, to me, that is just the biggest red flag put on this for Nevada that they need to consider. For example, Levi Stadium, you know, officially not old. Where they're about to go through $125 million worth of upgrades for their stadium. Uh, where the Brewers play, what was Miller Park when it opened in 2001, now roughly needs about a half billion dollars worth of stadium upgrades. Basically, the city of Las Vegas tears down, you know, a casino built just 30 years ago to put something better, newer, more sparkling, because there's always a demand of the new and the now in Las Vegas, which any stadium built in Las Vegas would have to keep up with as well to keep people coming back. So as part of the deal, Nevada's going to have to pay for any and all stadium upgrades after the original 25-year agreement wears, you know, is over. And no one should think that John Fisher is going to, like, step up to answer that bell should it need to be rung. You're, I mean, the more you look into this thing, the more red flags there are. And you're right on with that. I mean, first of all, you know, people talk about the $380 million in public funding up front. But there's that. There's, there's, there's hundreds of millions of dollars of tax credits as well. I mean, again, every page you uncover, there's something more at all that seems like a red flag. And I can, here's the thing. I mean, I think Las Vegas is at least a little bit skeptical based on how things went with the Raiders. That's not working out quite as well in terms of the financial aspect as like like maybe they thought it would. I mean, I think you compare how the Raiders are going compared to the Golden Knights, and it's no contest. The Golden Knights, Knights, Bandit, 
everybody loves that team. A little more mixed on the Raiders. I think they're a little more skeptical now that the A's would turn the Raiders situation but 100 times worse. And I think for good reason. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'm at least optimistic that people are starting to see what we've known all along. You can't trust anything these guys say. When I say these guys, I'm talking Dave Cavill, talking John Fisher. In a video that you can find on my timeline, I'm sure that you've retweeted it too, because like I said, there were two kind of holy shit moments of the night. The first is finding out Nevada's on the hook for any upgrades after the stadium is built. The second is a former A's senior executive, Steve Pastorino, who is now a resident in Las Vegas, went before the special committee to basically tell them, you're dealing with a couple of incompetent monorail salesmen who I shared a desk with. Like, this isn't my opinion that they're bad at their jobs. I worked alongside these people, and I can tell you how bad they are at this. I mean, that is the ultimate, the call is coming from inside the house in, in, a, in a horror movie moment I've seen in any element of public negotiation in a really, really long time. So... When the dust settles, and this is a loaded question because who the hell knows? When the dust settles, whether there's a vote today, tomorrow, next one, and four more special sessions from now as people call in singing Carmen Sandiego jingles, (laughs) do you think the A's are in the gray area of stuck in between Oakland and Vegas or if they are going to Vegas, or if they're going to turn around and be like, oh, Oakland, we love you the entire time, or maybe this is enough evidence for Major League Baseball to really look at John Fisher as an owner and say, you are unworthy, you are incompetent, you are negligent, and it's time for you to sell. That latter, that last thing you said is, I think, what A's fans are obviously hoping for. And I think it comes down to two possibilities. I think that there's still obviously the chance that this Las Vegas thing somehow goes through, even though everyone knows it's shady, to, to say the least. I think if it, if it fails, if they fail again here, because, look, this A's ownership group, John Fisher, has failed in getting a new stadium for a long time. And not just in Oakland. People like to blame Oakland. He's tried other places. Fremont, we tried Laney College, we tried San Jose. The common denominator is John Fisher here. And I think if this one fails too, I think maybe that's the point where Rob Manfredi says, that's it. It's time. You got to You got to sell. There have been some, there's some pretty good evidence out there that, you know, people covering this, the Casey Pratt's of the world, have put out about John Fisher that, he might actually need money a little bit. He might not be doing as well financially as as he would like or makes out to be. I mean, we know that Gap stock is not doing great. Um, he could sell the A's right now and make about a billion dollars based on what he purchased them for initially. So I think if this Vegas thing fails, I don't see in the current ownership coming crawling back to Oakland and saying, let's do this. But I do think that there's a chance at that point that they decide either themselves that they need to sell or MLB, Rob Manfred, the other owners, kind of push them into it. And I think that's, it's not, I still don't love the odds. If I'm a betting man, I still unfortunately think that you end up in Las Vegas. But it's not a sure thing. If I'm an A's fan, I'm hoping for that, that scenario where they have to sell. 
if you were sitting in that special meeting last night, I don't see how you could lend your support to the concept of, yeah, let's help this guy do more br- do brisk bad business in our city, just like he did brisk bad business in the city that he's abandoning. Ben, you are very, very good at what you do. I admire your work very much, and I thank you so much for joining me here today. Really appreciate it. Hey, man, thanks so much. Right back at you. Keep up the good work. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Ben Ross here on the Damon Bruce Show. We really appreciate his time this afternoon and thank him for stopping on by. The guy is really good at covering this thing. Again, he's got the passion that a journalist needs to have, but he covers it dispassionately. He's not rooting for an outcome. He's just sitting here covering this bad boy like a journalist with a capital J. And like I've said, and I admit, I'm coming into this with prejudice, prejudice against the A's, prejudice against John Fisher, prejudice against Dave Cavill. I don't understand how anyone who could have watched what happened last night could think, absolutely, this is the group that I want to be in business with. It was a clown show. It was a clown show. It was a clinic in how not to sway votes. Really, really something else. So, uh, you know, I, I look, to some people, they maybe see, oh, a conversation about A Stadium, they get out of there. For other people, Vince Vargas, all right, talking Oakland A's baseball, sweet. Look, all I can tell you is that um, this is a story that is beyond baseball now. This is a story about real estate, about grift, about scamming, about fuzzy math. Um, it's just, it, it's a, it's about a level of greed. Again, John Fisher is asking for $380 million to get this done. Do you realize how little $380 million should be to a multi-billionaire? I, I know that a lot of people throw around numbers like uh, a million and a billion that we've become so immune to it. Like a billion doesn't sound that much more than a million. It is. It absolutely is. A billion dollars is a thousand million dollars. From your thousand million dollars for a billion dollar deal to go through, you think you'd be willing to just kick in that extra 300 to make it go? I just, there is no real desire to get it right, to be accountable, that John Fisher shows time and time again through the math that is fuzzy and through his presence, which is unaccounted for. Completely and utterly, like Ben said, we almost need John Fisher holding up today's newspaper like a proof of life photo. Is he really even there? Is he with us still? It's kind of amazing. It's sort of ridiculous. And it is just absolutely crazy. Irwin came in today. He's like, I hit that like button before even heading into the chat. Well, hey, maybe the show wasn't good. Maybe, maybe you might not have liked it. So, uh, you know, thank you very much for just the blind support. But go ahead and hit that like button after you've watched. I want you to genuinely like it. You know, that's, that's what we're going for here. Uh, this is from Matthew 
Levin 5, he says, meanwhile, John Fisher was shopping for land in Alameda. I saw my uh, old station mate, uh, Kyle, basically say, Kyle Madsen say that John Fisher was overlooking at the A's, or excuse me, the Raiders' former practice facility. I know that plot of land. It's not a plot of land that is big enough to build a baseball stadium on. I, I, I don't know. It's it's really something else. How John, John, John Fisher, again, the fact that he would be doing anything, anything other than trying to nurse this through the Nevada special session is incredible to me. I mean, maybe John Fisher's self-awareness brings him to the fact that I present so poorly, I should just stay out of it. So you got to hire people who present well. And Dave Cavill is not that hire. Nathaniel Richards says, I watched some of that special session last night. They had no answers for most of the questions the legislature had. It was embarrassing. Again, folks, this isn't my agenda. This isn't what I am telling you because I've made up my mind what I want to happen. Everyone saw that last night there was no real Wizard of Oz. You pull back the curtain, it's a little man operating gears. That's what you saw. This is not a big major league franchise that is going to maybe come to your town. If you vote this way, you're going to have this monster of a major league franchise coming. What you saw was little men operating on a shoestring budget at all times. It was embarrassing. It was so embarrassing. What do we, R.I.P. Hendu? What, what, R.I.P. Hendu? What's going on here? What, Dave Henderson passed away? What happened? Again, well, I, whenever I get R.I.P. things going on, Someone was telling me, uh, Echo, Echo. Well, that's because we have our friend Ben Ross not talking into a microphone. He was just doing it over his computer. Calm down. We all, we all know. We all, we all know. The echo is not coming from Damon Bruce's soundboard. Damon Bruce's soundboard is high tech. I swear to God. Heavy echo, echo chamber, echo chamber. Echo, echo. We know, we know. It wasn't on my end, but it was really, really good to have Ben Ross come on in. And I hopefully, I hope that you survived the echo, which is, you know, the same Zoom meeting echo that you get on every Zoom meeting of your life. Uh, as soon as we have grown the plus to a, uh, to the size of sending out remote crews to mic our guests. We'll, we'll let you know all about that. Yeah, this is amazing. True blue forever. Our goal is to fill is to fill half our stadium. No, the goal in order to be in the 50th percentile of attendance, they need to have nearly 100% sellouts. That's what makes the A's and their, their math on this so fuzzy. In order for it to work, in order for this to work for the Oakland A's, they basically need to operate 
every game at nearly 100% capacity. Look around all Major League Baseball. Who's doing that? Who's doing that? You're going to Las Vegas. There are so many. There are, like, in, the entertainment options go to infinity. Come on, let's go to an A's game. I just, I don't see it. And I don't understand how anyone there could see it either. Something else. There you go. Erwin, thank you. Real Plusers, power through the echo. Thank you very, very much. Yeah, another way to say this whole thing is being said right here by Rockin' New Era 84. The math just ain't mathin'. Now, the old saying, Stevie P says, uh, if you build it, they will come. For the A's, it's sort of the other way around. If you build it, they still may not come. And again, it, it, the whole thing just, it doesn't feel rushed. The, the, this is not a feeling of rush. This is clearly being rushed. It's, it's, it's being ramrodded through a legislature that is really now looking at this going, I don't know. And they're right to feel that way. You got to see the video of former A's senior executive Steve Pastorino just basically burn the entire operation down. Hit something else. So, look, we will get to Club Plus here in just a bit, but I got to tell you, last night uh, when I was, I, I was, my eyes were on Twitter watching all the information come out of the Nevada special session. And my eyes were on Game 3 of the NBA Finals. And if your eyes were on Game 3 of the NBA Finals as well, what you saw were historic performances that fueled a now 2-1 series lead for the Denver Nuggets. Nikola Jokic, and this is not being a prisoner of the moment. This is not because it just happened last night, and I want to talk about it now. This is the truth. Nikola Jokic last night played one of the single greatest basketball games ever played in the history of the sport. Given the circumstances, you know, there's, there's no point scored in the regular season that would ever mean as much as a point, a rebound, or an assist in the postseason. There is no point, rebound, or assist ever scored in the NBA Finals that is worth as much as the Western Conference Finals or the semifinals or the first round of the playoffs. Once you get to the NBA Finals, that's as valuable basketball as basketball gets. And last night, Nikola Jokic was 32-21-10 in, in 44 minutes on the road in the single biggest game in the franchise's history. I mean, that's, that's what it was. Tied 1-1, Game 3 turned into the biggest game in the history of the Nuggets going to Miami. And what did Jokic do? He put on a performance that the NBA Finals has never seen before. He's the first player ever with a 30-20-10 game in the NBA Finals. First player ever. Now, I saw a lot of smart people say, well, you know, that could have happened when, you know, Bill Russell or Wilt was playing, but they didn't count blocks. This is 30-20 with 10 assists. They were counting points, rebounds, and assists forever in the NBA. It's never happened before. 
It's never happened before. He's the first player ever with a 30, 20, and 10 game in the NBA Finals. And oh, by the way, his teammate, Jamal Murray, he wasn't bad either. As a matter of fact, he was so good. There were times when the Miami Heat were like, just let Jokic go. We got to start. We got to stop Murray. And they couldn't stop him either. They became the first ever, first time ever two teammates have had triple doubles together in the same NBA Finals game. You got Jokic and Murray playing one of the greatest two-man games ever. And it's not a team that just has to lean on that two-man game. They got players. They got players. Nikola Jokic is doing nothing short of putting the dot on the exclamation point of his career where he is having a run of seasons here where he was named league MVP two times in a row. And because they don't want to give it to anyone three times in a row, he was basically denied that. And it looks like he's about to win an NBA championship and be named MVP of the NBA finals. This is one of the greatest basketball players of our life. And if you listen to a single show that tells you, well, he's a little bit boring, and that's why there's not a lot of appeal there, you're listening to someone who doesn't understand the sport of basketball hosting a show. I mean, I, I just don't know how to tell it to you. If Nikola Jokic ain't for you, this sport ain't for you. You know, it, there, not enough sizzle to his game. Forget about the sizzle. Look at the steak that he's serving. Optostats, Optostats broke it down that Nikola Jokic, so far, this postseason, has scored 39% of Nuggets, no, excuse me, he's responsible for 39% of Nuggets assists, 30% of their rebounds, and 27% of their points scored. All are top five of the highest percentages of their team's total in this year's playoff. No one else has done this in the last 30 years on a team that made it to the NBA Finals. So basically, think of the last three decades. The last three decades of NBA Finals history. All the great players, all the MVPs, all the scoring leaders, rebound leaders, assists, all the greatness that has been attached to the NBA Finals for the last three decades, and not a single performance, not none of them or one of them, has been as responsible for a team's success as just Nikola Jokic. Stunning what he is doing. He is, he is inserting himself into the 10 greatest centers in the history of basketball conversation right in front of our eyes. If you want to say, well, there, there isn't a lot of centers talented centers in the league now like there were back then, so it doesn't, you got at a sliding scale. He's going up and playing a pretty talented center in the NBA Finals right now. Bam Adebayo can play, boys and girls. He's having a really good series too. But the numbers that he's putting up, as impressive as they are, are being dwarfed by who Nikola Jokic is and the numbers that he's putting up. Guy's just incredible. Game four of the NBA Finals. I'm happy to report we don't need to wait two nights. It's actually going to just be a one-night-off situation. And we get game four of the NBA Finals on Friday night. And if the Nuggets win that one, too, it's good night, Irene. 
The Miami Heat got toasted. Toasted last night. And even when they looked like they were in that game, you could just tell that they weren't. Giants baseball this afternoon, and I do mean literally this afternoon. Uh, 12-10, I believe, is the start time in Colorado, and we might get a Broomhilda sighting before it's all said and done. Giants are trying to sweep the Rockies, take three in a row. It's Alex Cobb against Chase Henderson. Cobb is 5-2 and two with a 2-7-1 ERA. Um, Chase Anderson doesn't have a lot of history with too many Giants hitters, but he does have some history with Michael Conforto. And even though Conforto only has three hits in 18 career at-bats against Anderson, all three of them have been home runs. So J.D. Davis has got a very sample size level of ownage. So we'll see what the Giants do today and if they can polish off a sweep before they come on to take the uh, Cubbies on at home starting Friday at uh, 24 Willie Mays Plaza. And again, we've talked so much about the A's, of course, baseball being the last thing that anyone thinks about with the problems that they're in these days. The A's are looking for their first three-game winning streak of the season. It's freaking June, and they haven't won three in a row yet. Uh, they'll be looking for their first three-game winning streak of the season, but like all good things, you must wait. Uh, they have a day off today as they travel to Milwaukee, so they're going to have to win in Milwaukee tomorrow to have their first three-game winning streak of the year. Uh, if you have the interwebs, you have seen basically the entire East Coast is under that same crazy orange sky that was served up to us in the Bay Area a couple of years ago when all the wildfires were bringing so much soot and ash into the air. We had a blood orange sky over us. I thought, man, that was incredible marketing by the San Francisco Giants. How did they do this? Well, it's happening to the East Coast right now. New York City, Boston, they're considering, like I heard that the New York Giants took practice inside. The Washington uh, Commanders brought football practice inside. Uh, are the Yankees playing a doubleheader today or not? Or is it scheduled for Friday? They're worried about air quality and air condition all over the East Coast, so much so that the Washington Nationals postponed their game today due to air quality in D.C. So Mother Nature, she she ain't happy with us. That's all I can tell. Look at it this way. If you walk outside and you see a blood orange sky that's nothing like ever you've ever seen before and you want to get into how much you know climate change might not be really happening, like, okay, you, you go ahead. You go with that. You go with that. I'm going to use my own two eyes and tell you that in my entire life, there have been plenty of forest fires Plenty of forest fires, big ones. Never turned the entire sky orange before. I mean, I'm not a meteorologist, but holy shit. <laughs> what the hell's going on? One more baseball note, because I just freaking love baseball. Uh, I, I think the Dodgers are beating their pants off this afternoon, but the Reds had a very emotionally charged and rookies hitting big home runs charged win last night over the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, Will Benson and Ellie Delacruz 
uh, each hit their first career home runs in the same game. And De La Cruz nearly hit his home run out of the stadium. I mean, that thing landed in the last row of the bleachers in Cincinnati. It was measured at 458 feet. I mean, it was a freaking bomb that this top prospect 6'5 kid just hammered. I mean, that was more than a home run. That was a freaking statement. Um, You would think, like, that's got to be the first time in maybe, like, if not baseball history, Reds history, that two guys have hit their first career home runs in the same game. Well, the Reds have been playing baseball so long, it's actually the third time that that's happened. The first was back in 1907 when Hans Lobert and Mike Morey, Mallory? I don't know. They did it together, and then... uh, in 1893, it was Frankie Motts and Tom Parrott going back-to-back in the same game as Rooks. So I do love baseball, and I love how you think, well, hey, you know, baseball, they've never seen that before. Actually, this is the third time it's happened in just one organization, and they've been playing baseball forever. It's, it's amazing. Before we get into Club Plus, I want to wrap up with this. Thank you so much for supporting me. Um, having all of you hit that like button, hit the subscribe button, and tell your friends to subscribe means an awful lot to me. It means an awful lot. It's the lifeblood of the success that we are or are not going to have. So I'd love any word-of-mouth advertising that you feel comfortable giving Damon Bruce Plus. It means an awful lot to us. And if what you're doing isn't enough to make this thing grow fast enough, apparently all I need to do is go out and sign Messi. Have you seen the impact that Messi has already had? Lionel Messi moves the needle like no other athlete in the world since, I mean, we are inside of 24 hours of him basically agreeing to join Inter-Miami and MLS. Well, Inter-Miami now has more Instagram followers than any NFL team, any Major League Baseball team, any hockey team, or any other Major League Soccer team, of course, in the last 24 hours alone with this Messi signing, they've gained 4 million followers. I mean, I don't know what they're paying him, but he's already paid it off right there. Inter-Miami can communicate to the world faster by pushing send on their Instagram page than any NFL team. That is absurd sway in the conversation. Wow. So Messi, we'll try to book him. Hopefully it's not an echoey interview, but we'd love to get him on here. (laughs) Oh my God, does that guy move the needle? I heard Club Plus moves the needle, moves the dance floor, and we're about to move on in. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you're listening on the podcast, means an awful lot. Make sure you go ahead, you subscribe to it. You're downloading this bad boy on a daily basis. Really appreciate Ben Ross stopping by today and appreciate you stopping by as always. Thanks so much for tuning into the Damon Bruce Show. And please do remember that sports don't build character, they reveal it. And like that, He's gone.